You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It's the APC Podcast. Back again, talking about your still undefeated Green Bay Packers dancing in the video chat. I see you guys dancing. I am Zach Rapport in Albuquerque, New Mexico, sitting in my home office with a dog next to me who refuses to not be in the same room with me at all times. And I am joined to talk about Packers, Vikings, the thrashing. Well, it was thrashing for, for, for part of it anyway. Firstly, by Alex Patakis at Alex Patakis on Twitter in New York. How are you, man? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. How does it feel to be the the favorite parent of your pet? It's a mixed bag. It's a mixed bag. You know, it's a little awkward. Every time I, every time we're in a room together, my wife and I, I leave the room and then the dog follows me, which is like, you know, it's sweet, it's endearing, but it's also like I would like him to bond with her in the same way. We're working on it. It's a whole thing. I'll also joined on the show by uh, our Sean McVeigh, at least if our video chat is to be believed, looking very sharp with the... Uh, Shortcut beard there, Ben Foldy, at Ben Foldy on Twitter over in Detroit, Michigan. Ben, how are you, man? I'm good. I'm wondering how much of this Sean McVay thing is just the fact that I'm wearing like over-ear headphones and look like I'm on an NFL sidelines. I guess I'm also wearing a polo shirt. I mean, you are ready to call a play. <laughs> well, and you've, uh, you mentioned the sunburn, so you've got that sort of like, I've been outside for a week, that, sun-kissed yeah. like coach yeah. skin going on. Le- leather face uh, NFL thing going on. I took a uh, I took a screenshot, but I'm also going to uh, I'm going to put you on camera on the Instagram. There you are. It's a little it's a little hazy over there on your camera, but uh, if anyone wants to check that out at the APC Pod on our Instagram account, Total Vanji Project. No reason to have that, but we are on Twitter as well as I mentioned at the APC Pod. Find us on iTunes, all that stuff. Give us a rating, blah, blah, blah. 21 to 16, the Green Bay Packers beat the Minnesota Vikings 2-0 now. Two division opponents, two victories. The Packers offense uh, starting out hot and giving fans sort of a little glimpse of the potential, I think, of this team if they can just put it together. And we'll talk a little bit about that specific topic. Can they put it together and more ahead on the show. But first, as one does at the APC podcast, we start with our notable nuggets. Ding, ding, ding. Is that what is that <laughs> Alex is pointing at me for the dings, which now we got to we got to come up with a different thing because I reallocated the dings to uh, Ben Foldy's age mentions. But uh, we'll figure that out anyway. Notable nuggets. You can uh, tweet at us at the APC pod with hashtag note nugs after every game to give your notable nuggets. I actually did that on Sunday for the first time. Got a few responses and we'll get to those in a second. But Alex, first, give me your note nug from Sunday's win. 
All right. So I uh, I don't want to keep harping on the the uh, defensive side of the ball, which I feel like I've done the past couple. Podcasts are made for harping. Yeah, this is this is what the platform is for. Harping. Sure. Harp on, harpy. Uh, I guess. Uh, all right. So my notable nugget is um, it's it's not a concern. It's more of just like a thing that I am ready to see happen more. But like. I, I fully believe um, Jair Alexander is a very disruptive player and that he is someone who can and likely soon will be one of the best players at his position in the league. Um, I, I'm i really excited to see him finish plays a little bit more. Like, I mean, I, I feel like he's so good and so technically gifted and always in position that... <coughs> Sorry, I really tried to avoid that. Um that um that he should be like creating more turnovers than than he does um so first off like that that play you know the the touchdown to stefan diggs for like he's not the guy who got beat he almost made just a heroic play from the other side of the field so it's like unfair to be like oh he's got to catch that but he lost the ball in the sun like that's an interception that he probably should have he dropped another one later on in the game when he starts finishing this play is like not only is he going to be like you know sp- a guy who's like standing out to us who were saying like, Oh, this guy has all the tools, but also having like some league leading numbers. So um, my thing is like, I'm really happy that he's just like continuing to show all these flashes uh, and taking gambles, but uh, I'm, I'm ready to see a lot of those start paying off a, a little bit more, which is crazy because this was a game where they forced four turnovers and it had the feeling of a game where they like probably could have forced like seven. Um, which says something about the Vikings and about their defense as a whole. But um, yeah, just something that stuck out because he, he does so many things right. And and I feel like there's quite a few moments where you're like, oh man, he should have finished that play um, a little bit better. But otherwise, I'm a pretty happy camper right now. So to spin it optimistically, you are uh, excited for when Jair Alexander makes that leap from awesome player to elite player. Yeah, like when he has like nine interceptions and, you know, is like leading the league and everyone like is looking at him the way they look at a lot of, well, I guess it, it depends. Like there's shut down corners you don't get thrown at and then there's shut down corners you just create like a ton of turnovers. And I'm I'm more excited for that. I'm ready for the, the Seawood numbers from Jair. Well, it's funny because I was kind of critical of Jair coming out of the Bears game and I thought he was, while good, um, possibly the the weaker link of the secondary in the first game. And I thought that he got bailed out by the refs a couple of times. And you guys didn't really seem to be on board with that. But I actually thought he was much better this game, even though, sure, should you let a perfect dime go through your arms for a touchdown? No. Should you also not ever have been anywhere near making that play? Yeah. Should you also never have your second corner giving Stefan Diggs a free release, who's barely ever healthy and is not the fastest guy to begin with? Yes. <laughs> he he also, but he also broke up another sure thing red zone target for Stefan. Oh yeah, that was a big play, and and made a huge play on that. And how about a healthy uh, Kevin King? Is is quite fun so far. Really fun. Anyway, that's not my note nug, though, so I don't want to get too deep into it. What is your note nug? Let's move on. Ben Foldy, your note nug. My note nug is for uh, possibly having to revise the Aaron Jones is not a bell cow running back nug. Ooh. 
you know, even though actually in terms of snap count, he was pretty close to Jamal Williams. His touches, I think he set a record, his personal record for touches. He did. He did. 20. Yeah, 27 touches and 23 carries. And, you know, I think a lot of people had really kind of talked themselves into their like, well, Aaron Jones is small and he should only get 14 to 15 carries or touches a game. Um and I think maybe this is a coach who does not give a F about that. <laughs> well, 14 to 15 is the opposite end of that spectrum. Do you think that 27 is a little high? Do you want 27 every game or you just want to see 20 plus or what do you think? No, I don't want to see 27 every game, partially just because I, I would like to see a little more flow from the passing offense as the game goes on. <laughs> and I, I don't I just don't think there's any reason for... You know, in the modern NFL, there's no reason to run the ball that much, as the Vikings will aptly show in a few games this season. But yeah, I uh, I, I guess that's my notable nugget is that you know, for the people who thought that that Aaron Jones was was a you know limited back by his stature, I'm not sure that that this season will bear that out, or he'll get hurt next week, and we'll all be like, oh, he should only get 14, 15 touches a game. <laughs> it is unknowable. All right, guys, let's move on to my note nug. Bear, bear with me for a moment. Midweek, it was reported that um, that Rodgers was suddenly wearing a wristband in practice. And, um, you know, the kind of wristband that has, like, the plays printed on it. And I thought, hmm, that feels different. This is a guy who's like a human encyclopedia. What does he need a wristband for? Well, he ends up actually wearing it in the game. And he and Lafleur were asked about it after the fact. And they both said, hey, the offense is really wordy. And the wristband helps Lafleur get some of those wordier play calls out faster, and then also helps Rodgers to relay relay those plays more quickly to the team in the huddle. And I know that we as fans have been tortured for at least the last couple years with this idea that Aaron Rodgers always lets the play clock drain down to zero. It's it's maddening because as that becomes predictable, it makes playing defense against the Packers easier. Um, I saw James uh, Corsmo from Town Sound sort of musing aloud on Twitter. Are there any stats out there that show um, how often the Packers snapped the ball with one second on the play clock uh, week one versus week two? So did they make an improvement? And, and I thought, hey, I'm a total uh, degenerate. So let's go to the <laughs> videotape. And I watched both games condensed and I took sort of an unscientific count. Um, I was a little more conservative and basically said any any play where the play clock had three or fewer seconds is effectively zero. You can agree or disagree with that. That's just what I did. But what I found uh, using that as the metric, three or fewer seconds, 44% um, of the offensive snaps against the Bears occurred with three or less seconds on the play clock. Meanwhile, 32% of offensive snaps against the Vikings occurred with three or less seconds on the play clock. Wow. Put another way, the Packers actually ran eight more plays against the Vikings than they did against Chicago, but actually had five less plays snapped with three seconds or less on the play clock. So statistically speaking, that's uh, really a significant difference in tempo over the course of the games. And so that was sort of a little bit of, uh, I guess I was sort of, it's self-validating a theory that I already had, so it's not true science, but... I think it was really noticeable in the opening scripted portions of the first few offensive drives. 
uh, 18 seconds, 20 seconds I saw when they were really slicing up the, the Vikings before Zimmer clamped down. And so I think that the, the wristband helped, but more importantly, I think that Rodgers acknowledges that they need to play faster and that he needs to pick up the pace and in some cases like think less and, and play faster. And I just think that that's really refreshing, especially as he builds like more trust and, and understanding in the scheme and end rant. Yeah. <laughs> and it's easier to, uh, I mean, it's easier to kind of have play with that tempo at home too. And you don't have people doing the wave. So that's, uh, that's good. Oh my God. Can we talk about how like everyone on the team now is like publicly calling out the crowd and be like, this is how you behave at a home game. <laughs> this is a, B and C. This is what you do. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's crazy, but I mean, it, it, uh, you know, without having to deal with that crowd, I'm sure with a new offense, it's a lot easier to get that language in and communicate it to everyone properly but uh i am very impressed i didn't we, we've got our own stats department now as a podcast that's pretty sick don't bank on that i just had some spare time <laughs> in the condensed version i mean you know just watching the packer snaps i did both games in like 20 minutes y- you but. sure you didn't make our intern do that that sounds like an intern <laughs> task our intern is that my dog or <laughs> or yushka he's he's currently sleeping on the job nice all right, quickly, before we get to our big topic, again, I put it out on Twitter, at the APC pod. Give us your hashtag nugs from the game, and we'll just go rapid fire here, see if you guys have any quick responses. Steve uh, Steve on Twitter says, oh, no, is Rogers yelling at Lafleur? Here comes the haters, hashtag nugs. Uh, Alex, I know you wanted to possibly bring that up. Uh, Rodgers and Lafleur having a, a little bit of a tiff, I think, just before halftime. Do we care? <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't think you should. No, I mean, it, it seemed like uh, something the coach was more than willing to partake in. I saw different people uh, spewing takes about this, one of which uh, I believe was Jason Will DBSP in Wisconsin. who said, you know what, like that's probably better than just not talking to each other, which I feel like happened a lot with McCarthy and Rodgers, like. Let's just each go be mad and sit at different ends of the sideline. Um, no, it's like a totally normal thing. It's nothing that it is something we're always going to have to address probably because of this fucking narrative, but it's not something I care about. Uh, James writes in Raven Green's injury is Minka's exit question mark. Hashtag note nug. Ben, you want Minka Fitzpatrick or uh, uh, Raven Green? I should say a uh, little bit of breaking news here today was put on IR and the Packers actually signed a cornerback. Uh, Tremon Smith, I believe, off the off waivers from the Chiefs, who's a who's a kick returner, uh, possible threat to Trevor Davis, maybe. But uh, Ben, you like Minka Fitzpatrick? <laughs> I do like Minka Fitzpatrick. I don't necessarily see a one-to-one corollary from Raven Green getting hurt at kind of the safety dollar backer spot. Yeah, it's not one-to-one so much as I think uh, James is just saying, like, it's, uh, oh, we've got an opening here. Here's a hot-button guy that I like. Yeah, I mean, also Jalen Ramsey is supposedly on the market. Yeah. But... It's it'd be funny that we if we started throwing first rounders around just at the time when our actual kind of first round secondary picks seem to actually be panning out. So no, I don't think that that's the logical choice. As much as I think that Minka or Jalen obviously would make this team, actually Jalen might actually be a better fit now that I think about it. Well, he knows how to drive a truck, so we got that covered. <laughs> you know who might be a useful you know 
I don't know. I, I, I maybe I should just give it up, but you know, I, I do still sort of miss Demarius Randall. <laughs> oh, oh, miss you, buddy. Well, now we can play that for uh, Zadaria Smith. Uh, really quickly, rapid fire on the rest of these note nugs. Lauren writing in hashtag note nug. Kirk Cousins is not a good quarterback. Um, <laughs> Agreed. Ben Saylor tweets in this defense can close out games that the Packers probably would have narrowly lost last year and uh, many years in the in the of the past decade or so. Um, thank you for that. And uh, Devlin tweets in hashtag note nug. Can we just say thank you next to Graham? Let's pause for a second there before we hit our big topic. But uh, Jimmy Graham, how do we feel? Alex, you're making a face. Uh, yeah. So it's, <laughs> I, it's, it's hard to avoid a scenario, I guess at all costs where Jimmy Graham is expected to block um, a guy like Daniel Hunter, but like, why, why, why are they doing I that? I mean, you know, it, it's, it, you'd have to know if you line up and that, and you see him lined up out that, like that wide, that there is, I would say close to 0% chance Jimmy Graham's going to win that matchup. Like if Hunter is healthy and playing the yeah. way that he's playing. Hunter's so good, man. Yeah, their whole, I mean, most of their front is great. You know, like, you know, we, I'm sure later we'll debate like some offensive struggles and things like that, but they just played two incredibly talented, fast, like dominant defensive fronts. Like, I, I want to be optimistic and say it's just going to get better from here. But yeah, um, you know, it sucks. Graham caught that touchdown, which is like a 50 50 ball. That's what he's there for, but it's a scheme flaw if he's expected to block a guy like Hunter because he's just never, like, he's just never going to do it. He's never done it and he's not going to do it. <laughs> Nope. All right, guys, moving on. Quick break, and then we we'll we will be back with the rest of the show. All right, guys, we're back. Let's go to our, our bigger topic today. And, hey, it's never too early for a way-too-early proclamation. So with that in mind, let's make some way-too-early proclamations. The Packers are now 2-0 and with two division wins. So uh, firstly, what is the ceiling for this year's Packers? And, and sort of with what we've seen from them, as well as guys like Cousins, who we were just talking about, and Mitch Trubisky down in Chicago, et cetera, is it too early to say that the NFC North is, is finally and once again the Packers' division to lose? Alex, let's start with you. All right, so I'll, I'll address the first part. Their ceiling to me feels like... Um you know, an NFC North title, right? We're checking the boxes that they always say, like they have these goals lined up, win the division, get a home playoff game, maybe get home field. That sounds like a McCarthy impression waiting to happen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it does, still too soon. It's a fresh wound. I, th I think it's, you know, I think it's to win the win the division, get to Lambeau. You know, I don't really see them like running away with the NFC where they would have home field advantage throughout. I'm not going to rule that out, but I just... I, you know, they're probably going to have to win a road playoff game if they're going to win the conference. Um, so to me, it's like your path is keep showing up in these division games and, and playing really well. Um, win the division, get lucky in the postseason when you face some really potent offenses because like, you know, it's, it's just going to be a lot different when that's the Rams, Saints, you know, with Drew Brees back, um, you know, things like that. that. There'll be some luck involved in that. So you know, it could be like an eleven and five team who who makes a little run, right? That's uh, that's kind of all that we can hope for, and that's kind of what I think their ceiling is. The second part of the question: Should they be the favorite in the division? Like, I do believe they should, because I 
I just still have not seen uh, enough from Mitch Trubisky to believe that he's someone who's going to win them a playoff game uh, against a good defense. Uh, you know, they had the advantage of being at home uh, last season during the postseason. I don't know that they're going to have that necessarily because I feel that the division is more competitive with the healthy Rodgers, makes their lives harder. And Kirk Cousins still makes a lot of mistakes. It just doesn't feel like anyone else is just going to come up and like grab this thing uh, and take control. And the Packers have that weird recipe that we've always talked about where their defense doesn't even need to be great, like in terms of yardage and everything like that, create some turnovers. Rodgers is going to protect the ball. They're going to have more possessions than you. They're going to, you know, be in advantageous situations. And that recipe, I think, is enough to call them favorites until there's another guy, you know, on one of these other teams that feels like he can come in and wreck their their defense. And I honestly, uh, through two weeks, granted it's super early, it doesn't feel like their defense is one that's just going to crumble unless they really start getting hit with with some bad injuries. So, um I yeah I, I mean I I would if I had to place a bet today on who would win the division after two weeks I would I would 100% place it on them bold words Ben what what do you think the ceiling start with the ceiling for this year's Packers oh um I mean this sounds almost dumb because I I just I don't think any team with a healthy Aaron Rodgers has a ceiling that is anything other than winning the Super Bowl um, I know that sounds like fanboyism, but of I think this so, is. Probably, I mean, there's a lot of analysts that say that too, so I wouldn't couch that necessarily in fanboyism. I mean, this is the season where I I I haven't yet really seen Rodgers make plays that make me go wow yet. Um, so we might kind of be a little bit on a downswing of of, and maybe it's just that the scheme is working better at least in the second game. So there's a little less hero ball. There's a little less, you know kind of otherworldly pocket presence meeting a perfect throw that, you know, never should have had to have been made in the first place. But the rest of the team is so, particularly on the defense, I really think this defense is legit. I don't think it's an average defense that is made to look good by a, you know, good offense. If anything, I think it's the other way around. I think the offense is being made to look better than it has been so far by a really good defense. But what do you think about the defense as compared to the offenses that they've played, namely uh, two offenses that so far? Well, I guess the Vikings had a pretty. I think the Vikings are hot. fine offense. I don't see anything to look at the Vikings and be like, this isn't one of the, you know, better. They're in the better third of the NFC. I think. I think their commitment to the run is kind of outdated, to, to put it nicely. But you know, Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen are probably the best wide receiver duo in the league. Um, Cousins is an average to okay, fine quarterback. You know, I mean, there's there's, there's nothing. It, the offensive line's a bit of an issue, but I think the Vikings are a good offense. And the Bears are, are, are in a lot of ways, a good offense too, whether or not Trubisky, I mean, if Trubisky really, you know, craps the bed, then sure, like they're they're not having a good day. But, it's not. I would not. I wouldn't call either of those teams bad offenses. If I were a Bears fan after two weeks, and I get that, you know, the Packers is different. I I would be willing to call. I would be. I would have every reason to think my offense is not that good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would describe Trubisky in Week One as harmless. Like I never felt threatened at what at any point in that game, save for the one drive at the end, which resulted in a dumb throw that won the Packers the game. 
And last week he threw for 120 yards against the only team in the NFL that's yet to register a sack. So the Broncos aren't even like creating that. I mean, I guess sacks aren't indicative of pressure, but like they have their own issues and injuries that mean that they're not exactly that disruptive uh, front we think of like when they were winning Super Bowls on the back of Von Miller. Like they, to me, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if we come that the Packers put together their best offensive performance and then we like turn around and look at the Bears and be like, 16 points, 120 yards in the air, that's all? But, I mean, again, but, maybe that's just but, me I being mean, way too hard on a division rival. Like, it could be. But so we're, you know, so let's say this week we beat the crap out of Joe Flacco. I mean, or, or we beat the crap out of, you know, Carson Wentz didn't look super great last night. I mean, I don't know who... Nobody really looks like a big powerhouse offense the way that last season's teams looked, whether it was the Bears or the Saints or the Rams. Like the Bears and the Saints and the Rams don't look like the Bears and the Saints and the Rams from last season. Patriots, maybe. Patriots uh, might be. Chiefs, I mean, Mahomes is like, hand them the MVP. Chiefs don't look like they've lost a step, but they also don't look any good on defense. I mean, not that they were last season, but they were better than the bad that they are now. Um, and yeah, I mean they don't have Tyreek Hill um, for the moment. Like I don't, I don't really see. I don't think anybody's offensively looks as good as they did last season, really. Um, and so I don't really think, you know, if if every week we're saying, oh yeah, the Packers defense looked really good, but they just beat up on Joe Flacco, or they just beat up on Matt Ryan, who hasn't really put together a great game yet. Um, so what? Like, I don't like if this is just going to be a season of mediocre, you know, I mean, Roethlisberger looked like crap. Cam Newton looks like crap. Like who? Roethlisberger out for the season, by the way. I don't know if you yeah, saw that today. Yeah, I know. No, I, I know that. But I'm just saying like, like there's not a lot of offenses that don't look like they can that that are unstoppable juggernauts. I mean, Casey and and maybe the Patriots. But even that, I mean, the Patriots just beat the crap out of Miami. Like I'm not I'm not ready to crown them either. You know, it's interesting on that note, you know, that brings to mind um this idea that we should all be tempering our sort of long-term projections for the rest of the season in these first 2 weeks which are kind of like nowadays referred to as like the glorified like extra preseason because a lot of the starters aren't playing, new wrinkles haven't been you know, brought out in 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 real prime time action, and there's a lot of slow starting offense, a lot of sloppy play, a lot of missed tackles, and so I, I guess there is something to be said for uh, a little bit of a, a wait and see. I know that's sort of against the spirit of the the way too early proclamation setup that I gave, but um, but I do think there's something to be said for all these teams needing to come together over the course of the next few weeks. Yeah, but to Ben's point earlier. Um, about the ceiling, uh, if I had to bet on like you know Trubisky and Nagy getting it together and get you know getting back to being a productive offense or Cousins uh, or Aaron Rodgers doing it, I'm betting on Aaron Rodgers because you know I'm, I still think so much of it is just new scheme. I mean, it's the first time he's playing in a new system. He wore a wristband. I imagine the ego of Aaron Rodgers and like what it must have taken for him to put on that wristband and be like, okay, I need this, you know? <laughs> Said he hadn't done it since, uh, since Cal. But I also think um, it wasn't, it wasn't like a, well, it, the need wasn't like, I don't understand what's happening. The need was, I need to be able to speak faster. No, but I mean, like he had three years to learn uh, McCarthy's offense before he really had totally, to run it. Totally. I mean, like it's like, this really is kind of the first time at the NFL level that he's had to make those kind of adjustments. 
Yeah, and I think that that wristband thing sort of speaks to that. It's like, yeah. all right, I don't have this, you know, three year play behind Favre kind of window. Yeah, you didn't hold the clipboard. We got like we need. Yeah, we got to be we got to be good now. I mean, they've been saying that all off season. The expectations are hit the ground running. Yeah, well, that's not exactly realistic <laughs> to hit the ground running. Nope. Uh, yeah, I'm hoping that they'll hit their like mid season stride and that we're gifted with a schedule where they play what five home games in six weeks or something like that to get off to a fast start before they even literally know the whole they've kind of hit the ground like i hit the ground when i run it's like (laughs) i hit the ground sort of jogging and then i get out of breath i walk for a little bit and then i sprint and then i stop and then i question you know my decisions in life and kind of hunch over for a while but then i get that second win and i get going and and uh you know this is kind of falling apart but uh just trying, just trying to make a joke you know it's a podcast i hear you (laughs) by the way can, can we just um just take one second to reflect on the fact that Brett Favre was present for a game against the Vikings. And it was kind of irrelevant and awesome that we just never, like there was a time where Brett Favre being at Lambeau field, no matter what was always going to be a huge deal. Yeah. I had no idea that was going on. I had no idea they were honoring Bart Starr. Like Brett Favre walked out. It was a pleasant surprise. They show a clip of him with Aaron in the tunnel. I was like, I knew we would get here yeah. at some point. Yeah. I'm just so glad to be here. I think that that, that sort of thing also would have been a, a bigger talking point if the, the whole point of the thing hadn't been to honor Bart Starr and have Cherry Starr there. And and so, you know, that wasn't, I think it was, uh, it was, uh, it was about uh, keeping it in the best possible taste. I can imagine other scenarios where, where perhaps it's a bigger topic, I guess. I don't know. Maybe I'm reaching. Well, I, I think also, I mean, both of you guys are missing that or at least didn't mention that basically everybody responsible for all of that, McCarthy and uh, uh, Ted Thompson and all of those people are no longer in the room or at least not, you know, in a decision making, you know, this is just a new regime. And I think, I mean, even, even Mark Murphy's role now, I think is different than it was. then. I don't even sure was Mark Murphy. I guess Murphy was calling the shots at that point when the transition happened, but not in the way that he is now. So, I mean, like, the people Favre would be mad at, which I it didn't get the sense that he's still mad at anybody, but like they're not even there to be mad at. So I'm glad that that we can put all this behind us as as reasonable people. Yeah, isn't there supposed to be a documentary or something coming out too, or like some type of short film with Rogers at at Brett's? Uh, yeah, it was like two off seasons farm. ago or something, or maybe it was the yeah two off seasons ago. I think that uh, Rogers mentioned like, oh, I was hanging down, hanging out with uh, with Barb down there. We filmed all this stuff and blah blah blah. The Bahamas and like all, like it sounds like content I want to see. <laughs> yeah, when are we gonna get that footage? I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, I mean, my word. Can we please get that? Did you see the uh, the video of Favre throwing with Mahomes? Like Mahomes teaching, quote unquote, Brett Favre the no look throw. Oh no! And him just nailing the target every day. Like awesome. I, I'll watch Brett Favre throw awesome. still. If you like, if you wanted to have him out in shorts with our receivers in practice one day, I, I will a hundred percent tune in for that. I might even pay like four ninety nine to stream that or something. <laughs> A couple of years ago, during the Favre Packers Hall of Fame induction, we were lucky enough to to get Antonio Freeman on the show. And and just prior to him uh, chatting with us, he had done this sort of uh, little video with with Favre, where they had sort of like got on the practice field, running routes, practicing, and and you know throwing balls, catching balls, and Freeman basically saying like, "Still got the zip," you know, like my fingers still feel like they're gonna fall off, and I just brought a little tear to my eye. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, speaking of bringing a tear to my eye, I think uh, I think that that 
about does it for this show unless uh unless you alex or you sean mcveigh sitting in the dark over there have anything else to <laughs> add you really look so much like sean mcveigh right now ben i can't handle it and the glow coming off of his computer is the only light i mean this is exactly what i imagine is happening at the rams practice facility <laughs> at two in the morning as he prepares to face the saints Crunching you know the just, film. just 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 are you mixing up uh, McVeigh and Adam Gase? Did you guys read that story about what a weirdo Adam Gase is? No. He sleeps like two hours a night. I, you know, I, I believe that he's a weirdo. I also believe that most <laughs> of the other coaches are total weirdos. They're all so weird. Yeah, but that's why like, w- when you like stand out as a weirdo among weirdos, like you're really weird. I'm not. I think people are just like playing it up because he's got that whole like bug-eyed thing going on. <laughs> <laughs> he does have the weird eye. Thing. Yeah, his, there's there's some uh, you know something to do with the way his the aesthetic uh, element to this I think is definitely playing a factor as opposed to McVeigh who looks like uh, Ben Foldy. Yeah, he uh, there was a moment during uh during the <laughs> who is now doing the gay thing, <laughs> which is tripping me. There out. was a moment during the Vikings broadcast where uh, my wife who was sitting next to me looks at the TV and they they're showing Sean McVeigh uh, you know talking to the media or something. She's like, oh, who's that? <laughs> yeah, my wife does that with LaFleur every time. Oh, you know? handsome boy. She, she's got like selective. Uh, oh, uh, Matt LaFleur. Like, yeah. <laughs> so handsome. <laughs> every week she forgets that, that we don't have a Mike McCarthy looking dude on the sideline anymore with the Denny's menu. Hey, man, you know what? Um, it's lonely being a warrior sometimes. <laughs> and uh, with that, Damn we right. are fully off the rails. The rails do not exist. So that's about. That's about time to end it. That's our cue to uh, stop talking into microphones. And uh, we're going to try to throw together a, a, a another episode later this week. A guest, maybe a guest. Who knows? I don't know. We'll see. You guys are just sort of staring at me because uh, increasingly I'm getting worse and worse at ending the show. Follow us at the APC pod on Twitter. Uh, find us on iTunes and subscribe to the show. If you're listening on the blog, find us uh, there or wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Acme Packing Company. Give us a rating, preferably five stars, but, you know, follow follow your gut, I guess. Unless your gut says one star, then I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Leave a Yelp review for a local restaurant. Blow off your steam that way. All right, guys. For Alex Patakis, Ben Foldy, Tex Western, and the whole acmepackingcompany.com. Gang, I'm Zach Rapport signing off. Packers are 2 and 0, baby. Yeah. Woo! More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.